You can't have it all, but you can have all you want. You can't have it all, but you can have all you want. I'm going to start with a bit of an infomercial today. I want you to hold me to that at the end. I want you to keep that in your head. Now, we know that. We know the richest people in the world can't have it all. But knowing it and feeling it and understanding it are quite different. And I want to come back and... And it's a fairly lofty claim, so I think I, hopefully I've got your attention. And the same thing with the paper. We'll, we'll park that for a little bit, but we're going to come back. Ryan, I've got a bit of an echo, I think. So good morning. Good morning, everyone. My name's Trevor Dreher. I'm one of the teaching coaches here at the church. Love it, love it. How was Canada Day for everybody? Did you guys have fun? Did you hear the fireworks? I heard the fireworks last night. It's a little bit too late for me, so I was sleeping peacefully when they woke me. But the fireworks went off, and that's awesome. It's not always a perfect country, but it's a pretty darn good country to be in, is Canada. Awesome. All right. Deep breath. What makes you smile just thinking about it? What makes you smile just thinking about it? Is there a garden, especially at this time of the year, that you curate and it's just sort of starting to come, and every time you go past one of the flowers, you're like, yeah, that's awesome. Is it a favorite coat where you put it on and you just know, oh, I look good in this, like high fashion, and you're like, this is awesome. Is it a beautiful green car? Like what makes you smile just thinking about it? If you're a car person, that might go with your heart, might just get there. If you've ever noticed, sometimes there's a beautiful green 2013 Mustang parked just as you may come into the church. That's my friend Marco's Mustang. And I must tell you the story because it makes him smile every time. Marco grew up in the Netherlands. You're not supposed to think about American muscle cars, are you? Growing up in the Netherlands, isn't it pedal bikes, right? No, no. American muscle for Marco. And he said, I always wanted one. And in 2012, when I went into the dealership and I said, it's got to be green. And they had one. And I took it off the lot. But it's not just that feeling from years ago. Every time he takes it out in the summer, because we live in Calgary, you can't take a sports car out in the winter, he's not that mad. Every time he says, I just feel it, and it's just such a happy thing. What makes you smile? Just thinking about it. If you're anxious to tell me about your dream car, then I know we've hit a car person. But take a moment. And I don't just want you to think about it, I'd like to see if you could get it here. This isn't logic we're playing with. Is it a new golf club that you're like, oh, every time I hit it? It is maybe a brand new bike. I've got a friend who's a cyclist, and just every time he gets on his bike, he's got a smile on his face. Maybe it's a Christmas ornament. What makes you smile? I, I, I love Christmas. Love, love, love it. We've collected Christmas ornaments for 30 years. So on my travels, I always find something that means Christmas in that place I visited. So starting November 12th every year, I always wait till after Remembrance Day, I begin taking up one box, putting out my Christmas stuff. And just like Marco, every single time I've got a smile on my face as I pull out these ornaments from different places. This beautiful little guy is from the Dole Plantation Hawaii trip. You've all been to that plantation. You might have a smile on your face as well, but every time I see him, he's so cute. That's what he reminds me of. And just takes me back to that moment where I'm like, 
Oh, this is good. I just bask in it. Have you gotten there yet? So you have, according to what I've just went through, you have two methods to get to happiness. You can have a green Mustang or you can have a 30-year Christmas collection. No, I, th- I think you have your own story. And that's the interesting part of this. When I asked you what made you feel happy, maybe it wasn't the emotion right away. There was a story below that. Some memory that came up about what's going on. Marco and I were talking about this, and we realized that both of us hadn't really thought too much about the story underneath that happy feeling. Is there a story starting to emerge now as you smile? be a pretty good morning if I just left you in happiness. And certainly that's a tendency today where we we always want to feel good. Uh, You know how roller coasters, if we were getting on a roller coaster, we have to be this tall? You guys are all tall enough to ride this coaster. But it might have some warnings about bumps. Because I want to move you to a different emotion. I want to move you to sadness. What makes you sad just thinking about it? Maybe it's recent, maybe it's in the past. Maybe it's a breakup that still hits at your heart. Maybe it's that promotion that you really worked for at work and you didn't get it. Maybe it's the passing of a loved one. And it makes you sad. I mean, it's a beautiful day. I'd love to skip sadness, but that's just not how our lives work. We're more than just any one story, one emotion. I remember the day my friend shared this with me. He said, Trevor, I'm sitting in my bedroom. All of a sudden, my dad comes, and he sits on the bed beside me. And he doesn't say anything for a while. And then just turns to me and said, we have to move. I was like, what do you mean, Dad? Like, why would we have to move? We lost the business. The house was collateral. And we have to be out next week. And my friend's like, I didn't know what my dad was saying. I didn't understand the terms. But all I felt was like, this is my neighborhood. This is where I grew up. This is my whole life. And you're telling me that we have to leave it. Sad. If you can get there, what makes you sad? Just this week, this week I was finishing a client meeting and I thought I asked a pretty easy question. How are, how are the grandkids? The air got sucked out of the room. The air got sucked out of the room. And I'm like, whoa. Okay, I said, what's going on? We just found out this morning that my daughter miscarried today. Five and a half month old baby boy and we had to bury him. Name him. I had my Kleenex out. We both needed it. Like we were sad. It's tough. It's tough. Both feelings, though, they have stories with them. They all have stories. And I just wonder, am I connected enough to my own story That's what this series is about, The Greatest Stories, and I've just been thinking, do I know my story? Do we know our stories? 
okay, this roller coaster is coming in for a gentle landing. When do you feel, when have you felt at your most peace, your most tranquil, your most relaxed? When have you felt your most peaceful, your most tranquil? Is it at the top of a mountain where you were just sitting up there for hours eating the lovely lunch and just saying, this is great? You probably took the gondola to get to there, though that, that, you're that relaxed at that point. But you're like, oh, this is wonderful. Maybe it's sitting on a beach chair in the ocean. The waves are coming in, and you can just sort of see or feel the sunlight, and you're like, oh, I don't have anything else to do. When have you felt the most relaxed? Another meeting, client pulls out their phone, and they said, you've got to see this. I'm like, oh, okay. And it's a live view of their lake cabin. Beautiful paved stones, trees. It's four in the afternoon. The sunlight's just dappling and playing along the water. The blood pressure in the room just went down. And I, the only question I could ask is, why are we here? <laughs> like, why are we here and not there doing this meeting? That is amazing. When have you felt that relaxed, that at peace? And what was the story that's playing in your head that's behind it? I didn't want to play with fear or anger, but you could get there. And I bet you you could feel a story connected there too. Am I aware of my stories? I don't think I am. Are we aware of our stories? Well, maybe we could elevate them. Over 20 years ago, I, I sat down with a couple, and this is what I do. I sit down, and I'm a financial planner, it's my alter ego. And we went through their financial goals. What's interesting about this, 20 years later, this couple still remembers that meeting. Like, well, it was just a typical day for me. But we did something where we pulled their story out. If you wanna just pull this sheet out from under your desk, I told you we'd take this out of the parking lot or see it beside you. And there's some big categories. Now, politely, if I was a therapist, this would be a goal, this would be a relationship worksheet. If I was a trainer, this would be a physical training worksheet. I'm a planner, so this is what I do. And we can see all these different categories and goals across the sheet. And often we treat this as an intellectual exercise. Oh, I would like that. I think that looks good. And we start checking a few places. I want you guys to consider which story you'd like to tell yourself, which story you'd like to feel, and approach this sheet. My friend's story about his dad and sadness. How do I feel about my, this, my goals, looking at there? Maybe you want to talk about from happiness, and you're like, huh, that green Mustang. Okay, how do I feel if I look at my story? I'd love to have clients come into my office who are angry or crying or, <laughs> or blubbering. It's, it's interesting. I, I have to do that for them. I'm asking you guys to sort of look at the goals for a moment and say, if I brought my story to this first, if I felt it, not just thought about it, what do I, what do I feel about sharing my wealth? Is that a goal? Does that fit my story? Just take a moment. Just take a moment. I'm going to give you a little bit of space.
I found at least when I went through this, I thought it's missing things. It doesn't say own a green Mustang or expand your Christmas ornament collection. It doesn't say avoid your dad's home being repossessed or make sure have a camera view of Lakeside Cabin for peace and quiet. It doesn't do any of those things. That's one of the things that we have to interact with. I don't necessarily think it's missing anything. I'm just not sure if I spend enough time really thinking about the things I want in my life. It's the 21st century. We're all busy. Time just seems to to pull, and all of a sudden, it's July already. Does anyone else shocked by that? Like, oh my goodness, July 2023. And it's interesting because I'm like, wow, maybe back then, maybe our spiritual ancestors had this better figured out. Maybe they had some wisdom on this one. They didn't. Well, how can you say that, Trevor, with such confidence? (laughs) Jeff and Miranda talked about this just in June, about connecting the heart, sorry, the heart, the head, and the body. And it's not particularly easy to do because you have to feel uncomfortable things. Or even sometimes you have to feel and maybe you shut yourself down. And our spiritual ancestors, I think, had the same disconnect because they got this specific commandment. You shall not covet anything that is your neighbor's. They got the 10th commandment. No. You have to go back 4,000 years and think, spiritual ancestors, 4,000 years ago, what were they coveting? Well, it wasn't a green Mustang. It wasn't golf clubs. It wasn't a beach vacation. They were like, ooh, you've got a nice goat. Oh, I really wish I had that goat. You've got a better set of pots than I do. Oh, I really wish I had... Like, what were they coveting? There wasn't anything there to really want. But I believe what was going on is that they hadn't really thought about, what's my story? What do I want to bring to this? And then, do I really want your goat? See, when I typically do the financial worksheet, I have to start asking a lot of questions. People will check off a box, like kids' education, that's a great one. And they'll say, yeah, my kid's five, so in 13 years I want little Elizabeth to go to university. Very tactical, very thinking answer. And I say, I want a story. But people don't just naturally say, well, here's my whole story. I have to start asking questions. I have to say, tell me a little bit more about why that goal. Like, why'd you pick that one? Tell me why. Remember, they don't come in smiling or angry or blubbering or anything. And I have to ask for the story. I think I can commiserate maybe with psychologists and physical trainers, right? Someone comes to the gym and says, I just want to lose weight. You're like, okay, why? It's not going to be easy. (laughs) Someone says, I want a better relationship. The psychologist says, and why? And then we don't really know why we want it. But if you spend some time thinking about that goal, let's say education. I remember this meeting, and this meeting is about 15 years ago, because it was like pulling hen's teeth to get there. Tell me more. Why do you want this? What's important about your kids? And then they came up with this answer, which was crazy. Crazy. He said, listen, I've had to scrape and push and work so hard to get ahead because I only had a high school degree. It's just been such hard work. That warehouse job has been tough. I got 
pushed over for promotions all the time. And he said, when I look at my two boys, I don't want them to have to go through that. I don't want them to not be able to accomplish the things they want. And that's why I want them to have at least the opportunity to get an education. We didn't start anywhere close to here. We started with my boys are eight. In 10 years, I'd like them to go to school. That's how that started. And that's how it feels, where we don't necessarily want to connect to our stories. But just a few questions, and suddenly we can feel our stories as well. Can you look at that sheet again? Can I just ask you to look again and say, is there, did you get the story? Can you feel the story? As I said, I don't think we do this, I don't do this particularly well. Maybe you're more connected to your emotions. I don't think I am. Where's your story kind of connecting or showing up in your goals? And remember the 10th commandment, covet is a feeling. You shall not covet. It's a feeling, it's not a thinking. It's a feeling. I want something. I really want something. It's funny, it's the 10th commandment, so I thought it was the least important one. The scholar was telling me it's probably the one that wrecks everything else. He said everything else from murder to lying to all those other things starts often with that feeling of coveting. He said if we were better at not coveting, like, ooh, okay, so apparently feelings are pretty important. And we don't really want anyone else's story. We don't want anyone else's story. Sometimes we might think we want their stuff, but we don't want their story. The stories I've talked about this morning, we don't want to have to sit on our, our children's bed and say, we're going bankrupt, we have to move next week. We don't want to have to, maybe we don't like fast cars. Maybe we don't want a green Mustang, even though it's like, well, that's great for you, but no, thank you very much, I'll, I'll take a station wagon. Like, we don't want other people's stories. When I was talking to Marco, though, I'm like, tell me why a green Mustang. And I got lots of, like, thinking answers. Oh, it's fast. It looks really good. The lines are lovely. I'm like, okay. I said, tell me more. Still on the green, still on the thinking side. I said, but why? Oh, and this is where it's got interesting. He said, it's not necessarily that the car was fast. I just love the Mustang. Listen to this, because I went to the prom with my best friend in California in 1989 in a 66 Fastback Mustang, and it was so much fun. Oh, (laughs) it's really the prom experience and that story that you're tying into your Mustang. It just happened to be a Mustang. Imagine if it would have been like a Toyota Camry. Do you think he would have still had the same love? Listen, I'm a Camry driver, of course we would say but maybe not. But it's interesting. There was a story below the story. There's much more of a why to that story. There's something to work with. And yet, Marco and I couldn't get there easily. I talked to you about my Christmas collection. Uh, Okay, so maybe you just need to think for a second how big this Christmas collection is. 30 years of getting ornaments every year. It's 11 boxes deep. It's a bit ridiculous. And I thought, though, about asking and saying, what's the story that's going on here? And, yeah, it went back quite a few years. I remember as a kid, 
uh, for us growing up Catholic, you, write a, you start to light an advent calendar four weeks out from Christmas. There was some anticipation there. I'm like, okay, feeling something. About when the first candle got lit, though, we would go to Kmart for the Christmas tree. Everybody remember Kmart? Yeah. Sorry, guys, we're old enough that we can all shake our heads on this one. Yes, we can. So we'd go Christmas tree shopping. And I'm like, that was great. We'd take out the Christmas tree. And then as a family, we'd pull out the ornaments and we'd just decorate it out. As I even felt this more, it wasn't the presence. I wasn't excited about Christmas Day. In fact, the presents in my mind look better under the tree when there are decorations. Oh my goodness gracious, was this getting crazy for me. And I went deeper and I got the feeling and it was love. <laughs> Sorry, wait, it's love. I felt it. This little pineapple guy represents love. Well, I don't know if he knows that or she but this little pineapple person, that's what he meant. And his love of family. But as I delved deeper into that and felt it, I'm like, wow, love. It's a brand new revelation for me. Like, what, you didn't know Christmas and love were together? Not at that level for me. And the big part of the collection that I pull out, I just, I guess it's more chances for me to have love, right? But... I've largely been putting the decorations up by myself. I've largely been putting the decorations up by myself. Oh, sorry, bad news family. (laughs) What a shock though. I'm like, okay, so I've created this whole thing in my head, this whole thing, then I get to the feeling and I looked at it and I'm like, what, what, why, why, why? Oh, I got to fix that. And so even when we look at a financial goal sheet or a relationship goal sheet that has these tangible outcomes, you can see what I did. As now that I know the outcome I'm trying to create, oh, there's lots of other ways that we could spend time together. Like, it doesn't have to be just Christmas decorations. Once you know that I love family time, really, there's lots of different ways I can do it. As I was getting ready for this message and putting it together, what I find out is I don't do this automatically. I do not. Marco, I appreciate you. My friend, as you listen to the podcast, as my test subject, we took some time too. I don't think we do this automatically. I also feel our spiritual ancestors weren't particularly skilled at this either. I think that's part of how we got the 10th commandment. It's like, oh, I think I want this, but I can't quite get there. But when we take the time, and I think spend some energy in a space to really feel and connect ourselves, I think magic happens. You can't have all you want. Sorry, you can't have it all, but you can't have all you want. Back from that parking lot is that very bold claim. What does it mean? Is there anything to covet if you just know my story? Maybe, but I don't think there's much there. I think when you take the time to listen to other people's story, you can go, okay, hey, I admire your, your story. I like your stuff, but I don't want it. When I take the time to listen to people who are really dialed in, they listen to stories, and then they said, I got my own story. 
and my own things that I want to create. And all of a sudden, coveting, that feeling, kind of evaporates. What would the world look like for each of us if we became really aware of the stories that drive us? What would the world look like if we really became aware of the stories that drive us? The happy ones could spend a lot of time in the happy ones. Maybe the sad ones. Maybe the fearful ones. But what would it, what would it look like? I'm not saying it would be easy, but I feel the outcome would be so positive, even when the emotions are unpleasant. Because we could embrace the feelings and ask, what, what's driving this behavior? How can I wreck things financially? How can I wreck my relationships? How can my health isn't where it should be? Like, what's the story that's driving that behavior? As you go out here today and have a great Sunday, I just want to plant in your head and your heart your story. Consider it. And take it front and center out into the world. And feel how that moves in your life. When we were talking about this series and we say stories that change the world, can I just suggest we start with our own? Can we be bold enough to start with our own stories and see what are they doing in the world, good and bad, and how can bringing a little bit of awareness bring a better life for each of us? Check back with me at Christmas, see how my family feels about me now that they're helping unpack all my Christmas stuff. But at least I'm doing it deliberately. Now, they might very well create their own stories that are legitimate and say, this is why this shall work for us or we'll do one box. But that's fun. We're talking at a level of the heart and the mind and we're connecting that. And that just feels like such a better world than just sitting up here. Have a terrific Sunday, everyone. Go out, tell people your stories, hear other people's stories. Let's make this world a bit better. Have a great day. We hold up.